Happy New Year, everybody. Finally, it's 2021. We've been looking forward to this. Welcome to episode 465 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. Today, we have a really fun episode for everybody. We figured for the first episode of the year, we might as well bring on the one and only Bad Brad Wheeler. I love this guy. Such a great guy. I'm so excited. Uh, We finally got him on the podcast. It has been, I mean, really since day one of starting this show, I've been trying to get him on the podcast. (laughs) And he's so much fun to talk to, too. And we get to talk about so much in this episode. We get to talk about the dead goat. We talk about uh, when Brad got to play the harmonica with Willie Nelson. We find out how Brad got his nickname of Bad Brad Wheeler. We talk about blues music. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. Oh man, yeah, it's such a good conversation. But before we get into it, I think we should probably introduce ourselves. Probably. My name is Chrissy Hollifield. And my name is Chris Hollifield. And welcome to our podcast. If this is your first time listening, you might be wondering what it's all about. Well, I Am Salt Lake Podcast is all about showcasing cool people doing neat things in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to business owners, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share. So how excited are you for the new year, Chrissy? You know, it's like I am really excited, but I keep forgetting still. I I don't want to jinx it, though. You know, like I don't want to get too excited. Yeah, but you know that Match.com ad? Where they're like, I've met 2021. She's, she's considerate, boring. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, that, that makes it worth it. So I want to talk about one of our awesome sponsors, Salt Lake Barber Company. I love them. This is actually where I go to get my haircuts and beard trims. Isaac over there, he does such a great job. I love it when I get all cleaned up. I've been going to him. I, I think it's been, it's easily been five years now, Chrissy, that oh, yeah, I've been going easily. to him for all of my haircuts. Uh, the Salt Lake Barber Company, they're located at 10 East, 800 South, right on the corner of 800 South and Main Street there. Salt Lake Barber Company, they offer haircuts, beard trim, straight razor shaves. They do take walk-ins, but you do get a guaranteed appointment just by going to their website, saltlakebarberco.com. It's super easy to set up an appointment online. The funny thing is, is this is actually one of the biggest things that made me not want to go to barbershops. I was like, no, I don't want to set up an appointment online, but Salt Lake Barber Company, they make it so easy on their website, saltlakebarberco.com. Just go there, you select your barber, you select the services that you need, and you get a, a you get a guaranteed appointment. Super easy, saltlakebarberco.com. Go try them out. Let me know what you think. And many thanks to the Salt Lake Barber Company for sponsoring this episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. So here's that conversation that we had with Bad Brad Wheeler. It was so fun. I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. There's a whole lot of mechanics that goes into doing these interviews, right? And not everybody can understand that or understand what it's like to to walk somebody through something like this. And I think when we were talking on the phone, I was like, man, I've, I, this is the first time I feel like I'm the one being asked to the dance. Like, I'm usually the one being like, hey, no, come on, it'll be all right. Just relax. Just talk to the mic. I'll take care of you. But, but it's, awesome. it's a little different. It's a little different. Do you realize that this podcast, this is going on its ninth year, and this is your first time coming on the podcast. You're probably one of the most requested people to come on the podcast. You really like to play hard to get. I would. I'm I'm kind of shy, and and I'm kind of busy. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I'm both. Yeah, but it's not like I've been dodging this. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm re- I am glad that we're here, and I feel like we should. Yeah, we probably should have done this a long time ago. Uh, I, I was starting. And I feel to like we're probably going to do another one. At, for some reason, I can just feel it. There'll be I another mean, one after. Even this. if we don't have the mics, we can still do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. See. See? 
what got you into radio, man? Like, let's let's start there, if you don't mind. An accident, I guess, really. You didn't go to school for it? No. You didn't, you didn't do all that no. stuff? No, but I got put through... I got put through this like little boot camp like when I was at Carousel. I love I don't know if you know I love blues. Like I'm You a, did you did the Monday Night Blues at Green Green Pig there, didn't you? But we did the Monday Night Blues jam at the Green Pig. Um when I was 18 years old, I was at a party at a friend's house. My dad my friend's dad was the commander out of DDO and he and my dad were friends. My dad was a he is a retired lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. And um, my friend had a harmonica, and his sister had a, her boyfriend's band playing. And we had a keg, and it was cool because you could have a keg on base, especially at the commander's house. You didn't have to worry. You know, the MPs weren't going to arrest anybody as long as you stayed at the commander's house. So we were having this party, and um, I picked up this harmonica, and... Um, I started playing it while I was in line to get a beer. And someone said, oh, you think you can play that harmonica, huh? He said, well, why don't you get on play with the band? So I was like, I don't know, Ogden's kind of a weird place. It's, I felt like it was a challenge. So I was like, okay. So I just got up there and I started playing the harmonica with this band in this song. And when I got done, everyone's like, we didn't know you could do that. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know, know I can do that either. Someone just challenged me and I did it. <laughs> I just kind of told myself the low notes were on this end and the high notes were on this end. And I got lucky that the harmonica was in the same key of the song. So I got addicted to the harmonica and I got addicted to blues music and I just started researching it and studying it. And, um, just because of the harmonica got you addicted to the blues music. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to know more about the harmonica as an instrument. Sure. And like, but you didn't listen to blues music before that. Not really. No. Okay. Well, I listened to like classic rock and roll and stuff like that. Eventually learning that it was all. It's all integrated. Yeah. Interconnected. Blues. You know, yeah, it's just. Sure. All influenced by each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Led Zeppelin was playing blues. Eric Clapton was playing blues. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Even some Black Sabbath. Was, what? There's all that stuff. But um, so I really got immersed in the blues. I was going to college. Um, I, was, I got my degree in anthropology, archaeology and art. I did archaeology after I graduated for a little while. And then I found out I could make more money working in a bar. <laughs> I could like oh, that's so working sad, with my degree. I was just thinking, you're like the coolest person ever. Who majors in those three things? I got really, I was lucky. I don't know. I, uh, my parents, I don't know if they were really happy Wait, about it, but. Where'd you go to school? I went to Weber State. Oh, Weber State. That's right. Oh, okay. Okay. I also went to Catholic high school up in Ogden, but. Uh, this blues thing. Uh, so I, I got, I started working in some bars on 25th street and then I did that for like, how a, many years ago was this? About? Man, I want to say, well, it was 90, I want to say it was 97. So this goes back. Well, a ways. yeah, <laughs> it was like 90, 90, 90 that I started playing the harmonica and then like 97, 90, 96, 95, 96. I'm working on 25th street in Ogden in the kitchen of city club. And also running and buying groceries and liquor for all the other clubs that Bill and Heidi um, Hartwood, Bill Parker and Heidi Hartwood owned up there. And then uh, in 97, I I started talking about how um, I visited a friend in Salt Lake 
And I was complaining about how I needed to have a different job. And they're like, well, what kind of job would you like? And I was like, oh, I would so love to work at the Dead Goat Saloon. Like the Dead Goat Saloon is just this amazing place. They that was the bring spot, national man. blues acts every Monday night. Yeah. It's just like a cultural institution. And they're like, have you ever put in an application there, Brad? And I was like, I've never seen a help wanted sign. And I was like, I didn't. Like you didn't think to just go in and be like, hey, can I work here? I never had thought that. <laughs> Someone's like, Brad, you should just fill out an application to see what happens. And I was like, oh, I was, let's go down there just for fun and fill out an application. So I did. And then like three or four months later, I'd forgotten, Chrissy, that he'd even filled it out, you know? It's just one of those things spur of the moment just for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, like it's totally. just like a random thing, you know? I did that with like a Oh, by the way, I got once. this job, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but then like four months oh, later, yeah. they, they call me on the phone and they start asking me all these questions. And I started to think it was some of the guys I worked with that the bar joking and they said no 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 we we own the dead goat and we looked at your application and we noticed that you've done every job in the bar except manage it you know and we we have taken over the bar and we'd like to have you come down and manage the bar and i'm like are you serious and holy I was, cow so yeah holy cow so now i am managing like this this bar that is to me the bar like you just wanted to like be the stock boy at dude that was maybe. the spot Chrissy you don't understand it was so it. Much. I, hear it was about like, it. I hear about it so yeah. much from everybody yeah, Chrissy, and I, Chrissy didn't it was huge it was like a, it was a really really it was probably the thing that just changed my whole life to be honest well the harmonica and then that so I'm working at the bar and we have national blues artists coming every Monday night. So the that's thing so cool. that's going on on Monday night as well on the radio is the, the blues show on KRCL. So I started to call Truman every Monday night to tell him what blues show was coming and or coming. I mean, they did the live broadcast the last Monday of the month at the dead goat, but they didn't, they used to just do the blues the last Monday of the month, but, when I came on, John Paul had decided he was going to do it every Monday and it ramped up. It was this golden age of the dead goat. It really, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. And, um, so I started calling the radio station all the time and talking to Truman. So the people in Ogden, when I left to go work at the dead goat, they were like, Brad's not really going to go work at the dead goat. <laughs> That's not, he's not really going to move to Salt Lake. This is all like a, I like, thought it was like make believe or something, you know, like he'll one of be those back. silly things like one day I'll do this. Yeah, he'll but you be never back. actually are. He'll be back. But I didn't come back for like, you know, like six months. So they sent a bunch of my coworkers down to come and check on me. And they're like, are you really running this bar down here? I'm like, yeah, look at this. We're running this bar. Like all these national blues guys and Rolling Stones like Mick Taylor came and played there. Like it was incredible. So they went back and told my bosses and um i love that they had a team come down and check on you it got even crazier <laughs> so then my bosses decided they were going to buy this bar next to the bar they owned in ogden to annex a part of it to add onto this big bar they called brewskis and then they had this little tenderloin of a bar they didn't know what to do with so they then got my harmonica mentor robbie cap to come to the dead goat and tell me, he, he called me a son. That's what you do when you're a blues guy and you mentor. He said, son, you need to come home to Ogden because Bill and Heidi have a bar that they want you to run on 25th Street. It's not just any bar. It's the bar that I ran when I was on 25th Street when I was your age. You have to carry it on, carry the legacy on, right? 
You, wow. When you're from Ogden and someone says, here's a bar for you to run on 25th Street, you can't say, you can't say no. Yeah. Right. You can't, it's like, it's a lot of people's dreams. Like you, you just can't say no. So, but my, but imagine Chrissy, like here I am at this dream job of my life, the dead goat saloon, like literally like, I mean, it's like the temple for You're like blues. In the pinnacle, for, right? It's like, the, yeah. Oh, but it was I'm the also, job everybody wanted. Well, yeah. It's a job I want yeah. and I'm but, not even into but music. But I'm also like my people, like my people are calling me home to this thing. So I'm like, okay, if I come home, can I still keep this relationship with the dead goat can can we do the blues on tuesday nights like if the, the the night after like piggyback with the with john paul and um donors are like cool you know idea. i think that's a wonderful idea and there was a history of that that existed before i was 21 with um the gray moose pub in ogden another legendary bar so I went to Ogden i started calling truman still about the blue shows and then eventually truman said look you call up so much, I'm just going to turn on the microphone at 9 o'clock on Monday, and then you're going to call in, and then you're going to do your earnest best job and come up with a list of all the blues gigs that are happening for the week, and we'll just talk about it real quick, and then you'll be the blues news guy. So I was the blues newsman for a long time, like on Monday nights. And then this like crazy thing, I met Joe, like, all these different people. I started teaching harmonica. I got involved with Egyptian theater. I started teaching harmonica to the little kids in the school system. Did you like that? Do you like teaching harmonica? Uh, it was so rewarding. So amazing. It was a, it was a huge, it was a very humbling, humbling, humbling experience. We taught a lot of kids. Probably taught you a lot of patience. A lot of patience. We used to joke that uh, we could get sponsored by Tylenol. Like it was. <laughs> there's this, oh my God. Parents, they would love us when we come in and play the music. But when we left with those kids, like it, they, it kind of sounded like a casino. You know what I mean? Because yeah. everything's all in the same key oh, and they're all yeah. like going off at the same time, like wind chimes or something. All right. We're going to take just a minute here and tell you about one of our awesome sponsors. I love these guys. UtahMarijuana.org. Hey, they are your number one spot for all things medical marijuana, medical cannabis, CBD, and THC. I want to give a quick shout out to Tim Pickett. You guys remember him from back in episode 420 when he came on the podcast to talk about medical marijuana here in Utah. Great guy. Love that Great guy. Great dude. UtahMarijuana.org's team of medical cannabis experts makes getting your medical card super easy from your first office visit to navigating the state card application and beyond. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true. You can go there and they're going to help you get all the way through the process legally. I promise I can vouch with over 20 compassionate and highly skilled qualified medical providers ready to help you find relief. You won't have to search for a doctor willing to recommend cannabis treatment. I personally have recently become a cannabis patient and I went to utahmarijuana.org and it was so amazing. They walked me through every step of the process. They explained everything, took their time. It didn't feel like a doctor's office where you're going to get kicked out, right? They listen to you. They want to help you with your needs and, and train you and teach you. And, oh, I cannot recommend them more. And right now, they're offering an exclusive discount to I Am Salt Lake listeners. 
Use the promo code GREEN25 for $25 off your first visit. Hey, and if you're in the West Valley City area, check this out, utahmarijuana.org. They have a brand new office located there. It's in 3615 West, 1987 South, Building 8 in West Valley City. So like I said, uh, depending on where you're located at in the Valley, they have one in Salt Lake. I know they have one up north. They have one in West Valley. utahmarijuana.org. Isn't it time that you took control of your own health? Many thanks to utahmarijuana.org for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I had to come down and do a radiothon. We had the, the Egyptian theater. I had established this relationship with the Egyptian theater, and they were going to help answer phones at KRCL. So I came down to KRCL. I answered phones, and I met the staff, and I met the general manager, Donalan Maldonado, you know, she thought I was a really good volunteer. She thought the things I was doing with Blues News were really cool. And then about this, this is about 10 years later now. So this is about 2007. And the whole world has kind of changed. The Dead Goat is gone now. The Zephyr Club is gone now. I'm Was DV8 shut down yet? DV8 was gone. DV8 was way gone. Yeah. The bar business was a little different, you know, and blues guys were getting older and, you know, and, um, like a different demographic. It was almost. just a different, diff- it was just getting harder to do blues. It was harder to do the bar. And Bill and Heidi, um, said, you know what, Brad, we can't really afford to do these, these blues showcases on, because it was hard. It was on a Monday night. <laughs> it's hard to get people out on a Monday You're doing night, national hey, acts on a Monday night. Home night okay it's a tough night but um i just said you know what i don't know that i want to run the bar anymore either uh danny and i the guy who i was teaching uh blues and schools with uh, we had entered the the city weekly south by southwest contest and got to go to austin texas and we started um playing a lot of gigs having opportunities to open up for a lot of big names and things like that so i kind of retired the Bar job, started playing the live gigs, and then I got a call from Donna Land Maldonado one day saying, hey, we need somebody to come down here and fill in this radio show for an hour and a half, <laughs> and and you don't have a job, so why don't you come down and do it? <laughs> and I was like, oh my well, God, I'm like, I don't know, can I do that, you know? like One time yeah. thing, they only wanted you well, to do it one time. Well, they wanted me to do it for a while, to fill in this this show. Like, sure. can you take over this, it was like from one thirty to 2 or something, maybe it was 2.33, it was... Somewhere in that time, yeah. In a really weird spot in the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Small, small, small show. And I was really scared. I was like, well, what if I'm bad? Will you, will you take me off the air? And I go, don't worry. If you suck, we'll take you off. <laughs> you know? But somehow I just went in there and I just started doing it. And um, they kept you on. They loved you. Well, I had to do a radiothon. Okay. And then um, some things got really there were a whole bunch of things that happened. Um, well, let's let's stop there for a second. When did the bad Brad when did that come in? Did that come in before the radio or after the radio? Yeah, Bad Brad was before the radio. First time I heard someone say Bad Brad was in Catholic high school was from Father Herlich on my first day in oh. Catholic high school. Wait, was he talking to you? Yeah, oh, I got in trouble. Amazing. It was pretty bad, crazy. Bad Brad. And it was kind of a thing that put me into this other weird fraternity of Father Herlich's problem children. Like Father Herlich. He just decided, huh? Father Herlich was really an interesting guy. He was, uh, uh, you know, Irish American priest. 
he read Last Rites on the beach in Normandy during World War II. And he's a really kind of a, like a man's man. He's got to be very strict, it sounds like. Very strict. And he had a really weird way of talking. He talked like William S. Burroughs. Like he talked really, really interestingly. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to remember who William S. Burroughs well, is. Well, I'll do the imitation oh, here for yay. you in just a minute. So father, that's how I got the name Bad Brad. So father, um, father's like, good afternoon, boys. <laughs> I'd like to tell you a story about a little boy who used to dress up in a sailor suit that his mom made him wear every Thanksgiving. And he'd come out and do a song and dance for everybody. And it was all fine and dandy until the boy grew up to be a man. <laughs> and he would still come out in this sailor suit at Thanksgiving and do a song and dance. And it was just kind of quiet in the classroom. And I'm young. This is my first day at Catholic high school. I want to do good. I'm trying to understand what father's telling me. So I raise my hand and father goes, yes, son. I go, Father, are you trying to tell us this guy is gay? What are you trying to tell us? I don't understand. Everybody started laughing like you right. guys did. Yeah, because we're all thinking it. We're all like, what is Father trying to say? You know? So yeah. Father comes over and grabs me by my tie and picks me up out of my chair and holds me above his head. And he says, What is your name, son? And I said, My name is Brad Wheeler. And he's all Bad Brad Wheeler. And I was like, Father, I'm sorry. He's all, Bad Brad, you will sit at the front of the class for the rest of the year. You'll be the first to give oral reports. Do you understand me? And I was like, I understand you, Father. <laughs> I understand you. And the name just it, stuck. It man. put me, well, it didn't really stick in high school, but it was, but when I started playing harmonica, and I got pretty good at it. And I started doing like some session work for some blues artists out of town that would come through. I knew I needed a blues name. I felt like I needed a blues name. And I just, there was something about Bad Brad Wheeler that just felt like, it kind of felt like that's what I was doing. I was being that guy. <laughs> Sounds like you should be in a Western. Or you, something, know I mean? you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's literally the most badass nickname story I've ever heard in my life. It's usually Whoa. like, oh, my mom called me that when I was five. But, and you know. I really, I've, it was, it was Father Hurley. I really feel so blessed to have had that experience with him. Later in high school, when I was a senior, Father had, had gone now. Father had retired. Uh, my art teacher used to sign me out of class to go over to Weber State and look at the what the kids were doing in the art department over there. And I remember one day I was walking over there and this biker guy leaned his head out of the, the window of the art department. He's all, Hey, St. Joseph's, what are you doing? And I was all, I was all, how did you know I go to St. Joseph's? He's all, look, you got a Catholic high school uniform on. You think people dress like that? <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't think about it. And he's like, come here. And so I came over and we started talking and he's like, you know, Father Herlick? And I was like, you know, Father Herlick? He's like, I got kicked out of Father Herlick's class in 1979. I was like, get out of here. And he started telling me, he's like, you know what? Father Herlick is a straight up guy. He's like, Father Herlick. And he just told me how his whole experience with Father Herlick and how Father Herlick, you know, 
tried to break him down, give him a little mm. bit of discipline, give him a code to live by. And um, yeah, Father Hurley. That is a, such a <laughs> rad story, man. That is, so that is, awesome. there was another, well, here's the last, here's the last Father Hurley. The last time I saw Father Hurley, they were dedicating the gym to him at St. St. Joe's. I can't remember what year it was, but he had retired. He'd been to California and it'd been a while since he'd been back to Ogden. And I went up to him and I said, father, I said, I just want, it's me. I just want to apologize for any hell I put you through as a student or any disrespect I, I ever inflicted upon you. I said, I respect you so much. I learned so much from you about having a code and everything. He's all, remind me of your name, son. I'm all, it's me, Brad Wheeler. He's all, that's right, Brad Wheeler. What are you doing with yourself these days, Brad? I go, I'm running a bar on the street. <laughs> He's all, down the street from Eddie Simone, I suppose. I'm all, yeah, Eddie Simone, the Kokomo. Yeah, that's right. Eddie Simone, my first problem child. Brad Wheeler, my last problem child. Together on 25th Street. Coincidence, I think not. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I, and I had no idea. Eddie Simone, God bless him. We call him the godfather of 25th Street, the owner of the Kokomo Club, literally was Father Hurlick's first problem child. And I uh, feel guys- so honored to be his last problem child. And it's so weird because there's a window on 25th Street that you can look out the window and look right down 25th Street. And you can see, like, people, like, moving around, like, little ants and stuff like that. And it it was weird to think about. Our, you like could, we're looking at your destiny as a young kid up there going to school. You yeah. know, this thing that was going to influence you the rest of your life. Wow, you guys need like a like a Facebook group where you can all get together and share Father Hurley stories. <laughs> Father Hurley, yeah. Or Hurley, I can't. Yeah. I just, he's I want to list of stories. He's very, very, very respected in Ogden. He's very, very respected. Yeah, he, um, he, he was the head father out of St. Mary's and he taught at St. Joe's for a number of years, performed a number of weddings and um, he was just the kind of priest that rolled up his sleeves and just... I don't, yeah, slick back his hair and just, he's a little bit Bukowski-ish, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but. Rugged. Yeah. Little, little, uh, you were wondering if he was drinking the night before, right? No, sometimes he would, yeah, sometimes you could smell it on him, you know? Sometimes he'd invite you to go fishing and, you know, yeah, he'd drink and, yeah. I feel like this is just a Hollywood movie waiting to be written, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I feel very blessed. I've had a very blessed life. Yeah. Speaking of that. I want to make sure to talk about this because I haven't heard the full story on the harmonica with the plane with Willie Nelson. I've heard this story. Well, Well, I mean, I've heard that you did it, but I don't know the story on how you did it and how it happened. The same biker that I was telling you about that I met in the art department. Yeah. We got to be really good friends and his name is Michael Lane. He's probably going to listen to this. And, um, we had to do some art history finals together. And Mike, Mike is, he's about 10 or 15 years older than me. He's older than me. And he was a member of uh, Outlaw Motorcycle Club at one time. I don't really want to say their name because I don't want to get them too involved. But most people probably know up in Ogden. I went over to his house and um, 
he's all art history. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, he's all, no, (laughs) what do you mean? He's like, we're going to watch all three Godfathers. And then we're going to watch the redheaded stranger. And I was like, what? And he's like, you need to, you need to watch the Godfathers. I don't know why he felt like I needed to watch the Godfathers, but, but then he said, if you're going to play harmonica, you need to know how to play some licks off the redheaded stranger or you're not going to be shit. It's like, you won't be shit. Like literally he's just, you're going to grow up and play the harmonica. You need to watch this. So I don't know. I don't know if I got brainwashed during the first three Godfathers, but something happened when I watched the redheaded stranger. Um, I hadn't never really thought about Willie Nelson like that. I don't know. My relationship with Willie Nelson changed that day. Just the, just hearing, uh, these beautiful ballads about a man, a good man, a preacher going wrong and killing his bride, you know, and living as an outlaw. And just the, that line, don't cross him, don't boss him. He's wild in the sorrow, riding, hiding his pain. Don't fight him, don't spite him. Just wait till tomorrow. Maybe he'll ride on again. I, was, I just was so many people that came in the bar on 25th street. You know what I mean? That's just with so many people. I've, I've met so many people like that in my life that are just like redheaded strangers. All right. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Libsyn. Hey, it's the uh, start of a brand new year. And maybe you're thinking about starting a podcast. Maybe you have a friend or a coworker and they're thinking of starting a podcast. Well, you're in luck because if you or someone, you know, if you're in the process of starting a podcast and you're looking for the best podcast audio host available, go check out Libsyn.com. We've been using Libsyn to host I Am Salt Lake podcast for over eight years now, and I know that I personally could not be more happy with them. They make it super, super easy to set up. They make it super easy to get your podcast routed to all the podcast players out there like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I Am Salt Lake podcast listeners Listen up, because we created a very special promo code just for you. The promo code is Salt Lake. It's all one word, Salt Lake. If you enter this in at uh, checkout at Libsyn.com, what happens is you get the rest of this month and all of next month of free podcast audio hosting at Libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, Libsyn.com. Again, the promo code is Salt Lake. You'll be supporting the podcast and you'll get yourself some free podcast audio hosting at the same time. Win-win. And many thanks to Libsyn for their support of this podcast. So I got really fascinated with Mickey Raphael, Willie Nelson's harmonica player. The things that he does on the harmonica, nobody else really does. He has like this vibrato and this like tremolo and, um, and there's a lot of things he does that I still can't do, you know? This is what, maybe, gosh, I think maybe this is eight years ago, maybe nine years oh, ago. Oh, so not very long ago. It could even be 10 years ago now. I mean, Willie is now 87, right? Sounds about right. And I was at his 80th birthday party, so maybe this is 10 years ago, maybe 10 or 11 years ago. Um, I'm sitting at home, and I get a text, or I get a message on Facebook from, from Grant Sperry, Saying, do you know a guy named Mickey Raphael? And I was like, yeah. of course. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know a guy named Mickey Raphael. And he said, um, he said, I was at a party last night and I met him. I'm all, you're at a party and you met Mickey Raphael. 
And he's like, yeah. He's like, I had this t-shirt on that said Calexico. And he's like, I love Calexico. I play harmonica and I played with them. And then Grant said, I didn't know what to say after he said he played harmonica. I just said, well, do you know Brad Wheeler? And he's like, well, yeah, I listened to him on the radio. And he's like, well, did you know he played harmonica? And he's like, no, I didn't know Brad Wheeler played harmonica. And I was just like, what are you telling me, Grant? You know what I mean? Like, what? You had a conversation at a party with mickey raphael and cottonwood heights and About he's telling me? you that he listens to me on the radio yeah i was like and you told him i played harmonica he's like yeah and i was like oh my god you know it just like it freaked me out you know so so wait does mickey raphael live here in utah then well at the time he was uh dating a girl she uh she they got married and uh she passed away uh, okay. from cancer but um like another week or two later, three weeks later, after this story, John Paul, a boss at the Dead Goat, who also used to be a writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, who was also friends with our friend John Saltis, I think John wanted to get John Paul involved in writing music again. So somehow the music editor, editor maybe it was Bill Froth, I don't know who it was, but someone said, I want you to do a story on harmonica. And if it's the most popular instrument in the world, how come the only person we know that plays it is Brad? And I was like, I felt like there was a, someone's like trying to set me up or something, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, it's a little pointed. It was pointed. Yeah. But I was like, so John Paul and I are talking about, I was like, John Paul, you know, there's a lot of people that play harmonica around here. I'm like, you know, Kurt Bester plays harmonica. Like, I you know Robbie Cat plays harmonica. Like, Harry Lee plays harmonica. I gave him all this list of, and then I said, you know what, John Paul? I said, Mickey Raphael apparently lives in Salt Lake and he's like one of the best harmonica players of all time. He's like, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm like, no. He's like, how would I get a hold of him? I said, type his name into the internet and send him an email and see what happens. So he did it happened like, just like that. They called, they talked, they responded, they talked. John Paul calls me afterwards. He's like, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm all what? He's like, I just did an interview with Mickey Raphael. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. He said, no. And then he said, he wants to know. He's like, how did you know I live here? And he said, Brad Wheeler told me. He's all, Brad Wheeler knows that I'm in (laughs) (laughs) So like Mickey, Mickey now is aware that I'm aware of him. Do you know what I mean? We're now we're both aware that we're aware of each other. Do you, know, not, do you know what I mean? This is amazing. I think this is pretty much how it works. So then I'm at work one day and I get an email from his girlfriend, Brenda. And she says, look, we've had a few encounters in the last month. You know, we think it's probably time that we go and get dinner together. How do you feel about that? And I, you can see, I don't know if you can see it. Like I'm starting to get a little bit nervous just right now. Just like thinking about it, it was, I've never. That's intense. Really been verklempt about. You were like, uh, so, oh I, like gosh, I was I like, so you. like, I was so like, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't really process it. Actually, I just would look at it for a, about a week and just mm-hmm. like, is this thing real? Is this, am I, is this real? And then finally one day I was like, eBay, I got something I got to show you. Like, I don't, I'm having a hard time processing this, you know? And uh, he's like, oh my God. He's like, they want to go to dinner with you. He's like, respond, you know? So I responded. I was like, sure, I'd love to go to dinner. And I was like, um, do you care if I bring a friend? And they're like, well, who would you like to bring? I, was like, I said, I'd like to bring John Paul. 
And they're like, sure, bring John Paul. So I said, can we meet at the Red Iguana? It's, you know, John Paul's favorite place and it's accessible for him and stuff like that. And they're like, sure, sure. So we meet at the Red Iguana. John Paul is a wonderful conversationalist. Mickey's girlfriend, Brenda, is one of the most beautiful women in the world. Also a fabulous conversationalist. I just kind of sit back and let him talk for a while. And um, just soak it in, right? I'm just soaking it in. Like, oh, I can't yeah. even really process like what's happening. And then we get through eating. And then Mickey's like, you know, are you, he just looks at me. He's like, are you going to say anything? <laughs> and I was just like, I, was, I said, I'm just having a hard time processing that we're sitting here next to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, you, you know, you're, you're, you're my harmonica hero in a, in a lot of ways. I said, one of the greatest compliments I ever got one night, I was on stage. There's a, a old Sun Records artist named Sleepy Labeef. I used to call him a human jukebox. And he would like literally play something like 120 songs in something like 25 minutes. Like he could he could switch songs and go into other songs. He Also, he would like almost make it one long song with one long song, but he could also just like, yeah, with pieces of songs, but he could also just switch a song. Like, just like he. That's talent. Well, well, that's skill. He he was skilled, but he was also, he could also be kind of a, I don't know. He he was trying to work me out one night. Like he got me on stage and he was big. He was bigger than me. He was like literally like about six, seven inches taller than me and easily like another 80 pounds. Like he was a big, 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 big guy. And, uh, (laughs) and we were going through all these songs. And when we got done, I just remember sleepy saying, boy, when I close my eyes, I feel like I'm playing with Mickey Raphael. And I told that to Mickey and Mickey just kind of leaned back. I said, wait, Mickey, I go, you know, that vibrato thing you do, I can do that vibrato thing like really good. I said, but when, when Willie goes screams like a panther in the middle of the night and your harmonica goes way up there, I go, I can't do the scream like, like the panther in the middle of the night. And there was something about the way we were talking. It felt like we were just like us, like just, talking about how to do an interview, like yeah. just yeah. being honest and vulnerable and sincere. Well, you become, um, you become, uh, what's the word? Not, I mean, Co- equals, but, uh, what's the word when you work with people or you're in the same industry anyway, that word, yeah. <laughs> that one word, <laughs> a word and it's going to kill me that I can't think of it, but you, you know, your comrades, you, you have something in common that you're both trying to well, understand. And he, I think he generally understood that he, I really looked up to him and his sound. Like there was a, there, and his sound for me was a, it was a rite of passage, you know, like learning some of these chops of his was, uh, it, yeah, it gave me a validation as a musician. So he became fascinated with the radio program and how I do the radio show. And then I realized he was secretly, I don't know. I feel like he wanted to come and do the show. So I asked him, you want to come and do a radio show together? He's like, oh my God, let's do it. So he came and he did it and we started doing it. And uh, he started getting a little bit nervous, you know, like third, fourth song. And Brenda's like, are you okay, Mickey? You look really nervous. He's like, you know, I feel really bad. He's like, I feel like I'm letting Brad's listeners down. He's like, I'm playing music that... I don't think Brad would normally play on this show. And I just don't know if I'm in the right place or not. And I just looked at him. I said, dude, I'm the bus driver right now. (laughs) When the the bus driver is happy, the the kids on the bus are happy. And I go, I don't really care about what the kids are doing. I go, we we're doing this together. We're doing it. 
And uh, it was one of the most incredible radio experiences I ever had. Told us about going to the White House with Jimmy Carter. Told us about, you know, meeting Willie for the first time, doing the redheaded stranger, like uh, all these different people, these just ins and outs and stories. And it was just, it was a, it was a really big thing. This blows away the phrase, never meet your heroes. I just have to say that. Yeah, you, you will continue. But, but it, I, there it, was that too, though. I yeah. mean, I had that fear. That's like, my biggest because, fear is when you meet them, is it, will you be ruined? I had that happen with a lot of blues guys growing up. And that was exactly something I was really, really worried about. But um, I have to say like to, to date, to this day, Mickey and I are still like, we talked yesterday for probably about 45 minutes. We were talking about all sorts of things like teaching him a little bit about meditation. We were talking about how the UK press is upset about whether or not Lady Diana was really at the comedy club with him and Willie and Burt Reynolds, <laughs> Sally Fields or not Lady Diana, or if it was Richard Pryor's wife. I mean, it's yeah. But anyhow, that relationship happened. And then Mickey, I think Mickey invited me out to Willie's 80th birthday party. And, and when was, was that here in, or no, that was in Texas. It was in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And, um, I think we were going to take some listeners from the radio station or something. We were running a contest or something and Mickey helped us out. But the listeners, I believe they like spent their cash money before they could go. Or like, we're not going. And I'm like, well, I'm not staying. Like I'm going, <laughs> like, I'm gone. So we, I went and we just had the greatest time in Texas. And I just remember sitting on stage. It was so crazy. Like I had, um, I had just met so many different people. There were probably so many famous, well-known people there. Artists, musicians. Were, did you meet any other musicians? There? I met uh, BP Fallon was there. David Allen Coe was there. Randy Travis was there. <laughs> a federal judge was there. And this was way before iPhones, so you weren't taking pictures probably. No, this was a, this was iPhones. Oh, this, yeah, was yeah. A, this was like 10 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Like when Blackberries were still okay. <laughs> but <Boy>. I, <laughs> that was, actually, it was kind of funny. I remember... I remember it during the show when during the show, Mickey got down and said, and he had, it was weird. He just held this microphone and this harmonica in my face. He's all get up. And I'm all, what? He's all get up. And I'm all, no, 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 no. He's all, yes, yes, yes. And he's all, I'm all, no, 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 no. He's all, let's make a wish day for harmonica players. And I'm like, I can't do this. He's like, just get up and play the goddamn harmonica. I got up. What was going through your head? And I mean, seriously. It doesn't seem real. Yeah. It, nothing seems real. Like this whole thing was insane. So I play and I give it back to him and he's all, no, no, no. He's like, you got three more songs to play. So I'm play, I play these songs. Did you just want to run? You can't really process what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, it's, it's almost like, yeah, you're outside of your body. You're, you're like muscle memory takes over. How many people hopefully? were there? Probably. Oh, there's a couple. Th- I mean, I played in front of a lot of people before. Well, sure, sure, but at, but the fact yeah. that you're on the same stage, yeah, yeah. that's what that's it was. Yeah. You're just like right? yeah. it's the pressure of keeping up and like doing it right so that people in, people well, listening was, don't even notice. Willie here, Willie looks at you and nods. You're like to oh. tell you to take a solo. Dude, like, what I would you, have biffed. You it. take a solo. What do you? Do? It's just like one of the craziest things. It's nuts. It's so cool. So I, we did that. <laughs> then I remember getting, I remember like someone, I just remember this one moment where someone uh, wanted Willie to 
autograph their phone and the phone rang and Willie answered it and started talking to the other person and then they gave it back to him. But then we got off the stage and then I went to the band bus where Mickey was and the rest of the band and the band started teasing me and they're like, well, man, we know who to call when Mickey's sick now, apparently like, you know, like they were just, they were really flattering. Mickey was really flattering. And I told Mickey, I go, Mickey, I don't know how to say this, but I feel like that little kid that gave Mean Joe Green the Coca-Cola and <laughs> like like you gave me this jersey at the Super Bowl. I go, I don't know how to even process what's happening right now, you know? And uh, his, his friends that we had met were laughing and smiling. They took all these pictures. And then one of Willie's biker friends came up to me and he gave me this this bag of weed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, what's this? He said, he said it's a bag of weed. And uh, I said, what, what should I do with this? He said, you're going to need it when you get back to the hotel room because your mind is going to start playing this over and over and over again. And you're, you're, you're going to need this. You're going to need Calm this. Calm that brain Oh my down gosh. They're gonna... like the sweetest, most thoughtful people. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I went wow. back to the the Holiday Inn. And I was, I just was like, I couldn't, I was like, did that really happen? Like, did that happen? And then I rolled a joint and then I called my biker friend, Mike Lane, who told me I wouldn't be shit on harmonica if I didn't learn some Willie Nelson. You were like, guess what, and was buddy? He I like, just played with Why didn't you call me and bring me? No, he, <laughs> he just was like, I, he understood. He was just, yeah. he was so, and no, he's still to so this cool. day so proud. So then when that was pretty wild. Right. But then I, I realized they're going to be coming to Utah, like a year on tour later or something like, like maybe that. I can play then. Right. Oh my God, Chris, the worst, like the worst six months of dreams of my life. I had dreams that I fell on Willie and broke his hip. I felt <laughs> I had dreams that like I was playing and the harmonica broke. I had dreams of like all my teeth fell out. I had dreams. I wet myself standing in front of everybody, you saw <laughs> everything. That's what happened to me when I took a new job and I had to wait two weeks to start every night. It was like, how bad can I mess up tonight? Yeah. Every, oh, I, every, wow. everything I could think like I would one night I killed Willie. I was like, everything. Oh. And then the dream always ended like five years later, like everyone going, do you remember when you did that in front of everybody? And you just like, <laughs> it was just so horrible. I was so afraid. So did you get to play with them when they came? Yeah, did when they came again, I had to, do, yeah. I mean, yeah, Mickey's like, come on. So you've played with wow. them multiple times probably now. I have now played with them four times. Yeah, and it's still Have you smoked surreal. weed with Willie? I have not smoked weed with Willie. I have, I have never even called him Willie. I've only said Mr. Nelson. And I, um, who calls him Mr. Nelson? I, come I, on. Can't, I can't. A respectful young man. I really just can't bring myself to call him. <sighs> Really? I, that's actually that's I cool. did I did go on his bus when he was here in Salt Lake, but Willie wasn't there. But he could have been there. That was well, it was really funny for. because he left his mountain bike outside of the bus, and Mickey was like, "He's always leaving that mountain bike." <laughs> He's like, "You know that mountain bike's been stolen so many times, like across America. And somehow Willie always gets it back." <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, the same bike, same mountain bike. Yeah, that's, okay, on it. that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. so. That's so awesome. 
it's a really big, yeah, it's a big, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit to uh, current day radio. Currently 99.9 KUAA, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Local radio. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with that? Because there was quite a gap from KRCL to that, right? Like that wasn't, you didn't leave K- KRCL for that. So how did no. you get involved with that? Yeah, I left KRCL and then I, I, I went through a lot of stuff. I mean, as we were talking before, I think you hit record that, you know, I was in a pretty serious accident. In 96. I don't think I got any of that. Which, well, we no, we didn't talk about it on here. Oh, but okay. Yeah, right. but when we were talking before, before as we, we would say in radio, off air. When we were off air, <laughs> <laughs> I was showing Chrissy my leg. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. Look, it's getting weird in here, you guys. It's okay. I'm just <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I have PTSD. I guess that's really the way you got to come out and say it. I have PTSD, and I had to learn how to live with PTSD. And, um, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do after the radio station, but I knew that I had to, I had to take care of myself. Like the, the, I, yeah, I had to, I, I needed some space. I needed some time. And then, um, got heavily involved in Zen meditation. As you know, it's been like a big thing for me. You've done an interview with my good friend, Rodrigo. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. what was his name? Rodrigo. We met That's him right, through yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Derek called me. I want to say like it was like towards the fall. It was like, maybe it was in October that he called me of 2017 or 18, 2018. That sounds about right. Roughly about then. Yeah. And uh, he's like, Oh, we got this low powered FM radio station. You know, we no, you're not doing anything in radio. If you're interested in doing something in radio, you know, let us know. And it, it was heavy. You know, that time I wasn't doing radio because you know, I never got into radio. I don't know. I, like you loved I, the the why behind the radio, not the radio itself. There, the, like you loved the music and sharing. I like music. I like music a lot. But there was, when the people started coming to you and talking to you, you realize, and I'm sure you feel the same thing. Like there's a part of you that does this out of a public service. Oh, of course. There's man. like, your, you know, and to hear people talk about how much they missed it and how much they got out of it i've i felt like i felt like oh my god i gotta go i gotta go back to this thing i gotta i do gotta go back and do radio i gotta well the city of salt lake was like pushing you to get back to radio when yeah you, when you left krcl i mean i remember yeah, like social the, media was like whole yeah. bring back bad bread yeah but radio back- is a weird play i mean yeah. weird thing too like it's a man that's i feel so grateful to have the relationship also that i've had with uh, Bill Allred yeah. and Carrie and, and Gina, like those guys have helped me a lot. Radio is a really weird industry. I mean, it's all that stuff Howard Stern talks about in those movies. It, I, I wish it wasn't true, but it pretty much all of it is true. Like it's a really weird industry. And when uh, sometimes some commercial things cross with the community things, it can get really weird when, when people, switch from one side of the dial to the other. Do you know, you know what I'm trying to say? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Can get really weird. So when you started though, at 99.9, like you said, it was like, um, what'd you, what'd you say? Like a small little tower. Yeah, so now it it's a little a, bigger. So, I mean, it's yeah. expanded. He's gotten bigger. Didn't you even say you were moving? We're trying to. Yeah. We were, man, Derek, I don't know. I think, I don't think Derek really thought he was going to have a radio station either. I think. Well, they had this thing for years. Did you realize that? I mean, like years, nobody was using no, it. No, wait. Yeah. He applied for the license and then he like kept, he got the license and then he was like 
running out of time to put the tower up. He filed for an extension, got the extension, got some partners, got the got the uh, stuff to do. It didn't know where to put the tower. So then literally they put the tower, in my opinion, like the worst possible place they could have put it on a two story building right there, you know, on the edge of Rose Park. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. I never thought, I never thought I would be into this part of radio. You know what I mean? I, there's a lot, there's a lot to running a radio show and conducting and playing music and programming music and talking with people. But then there's a whole nother thing with like, we got to get a skimmer. We got to get a thing that uh, broadcasts the zip stream out over the internet. We got to make sure we're paying our sound exchange fees. We got to make sure You're we're reporting IT to um, IT guy and the legal guy and the, uh, so you, you're running the whole show now. You're running 99.9, like the whole radio station. Yeah, you're I the, did, the, I did just guy. get a um, an employee, uh, Samantha Smith, who used to work at the City Weekly. I think you guys oh, might yeah, remember yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, she did a lot with the City Weekly's Utah Beer Festival. Yeah. She works also with the Salt Lake Arts Council. She's yeah. working at the radio station now. And uh, yeah, there's things are happening. We, we've been getting donations. We got the antenna. We got a great deal with help from Broadway media uh, on top of the Wells Fargo building, like the best place. I don't know that there's another well-powered FM radio station that's maximizing every watt that they can like, like KUAA is. So yeah, that's been, that's only been like what, two months, three months since we've got the antenna up. How far, like we're in the Valley, how far down does it reach? I want to say it goes all the way out to about the claw, you know, and it, and it just, uh, I got a call from Felix the other day. Told me he could hear it out there in Magna, which I was really surprised because sometimes it breaks out, uh, breaks up for me when I go out to the airport. But um, it's really, you know, pretty much like I want to say that the two fifteen is really what its broadcast range yeah. is. You know, it's for well, that's that's your people, man. That's yeah. the people that are going to listen to what you're you're uh, putting out there with the radio. Still have a lot of people in Ogden that wish they could hear the radio. But you can there. online, right? You I told them that online. too, but uh, people in Ogden are old school. They're like, it's not the same. I want it in my car while I'm driving, you know. But- <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. There really is that that connection that well, you'll never be able to break, like the driving and listening connection. Do you think radio it's will tough. ever go away? I don't think it will ever go away. If anything, the pandemic has showed me like how important it is. Like there, I really feel like, and you probably feel the same way. Like you're keeping people connected. Well, this you know? is, I'm talking like a radio, like a radio in your car. I'm not talking podcast. I'm talking like 96. All right, we're going to break it up into technology now. You know, well, X96 type of radio. That's, yeah. that's more. Yeah, what I'm no, I do, about. I do. But I, to me, it's just it's it's all the same. It's all content on different platforms. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? And I guess like yeah, radio is more, more of a live. Some commercial radio stations aren't live. Yeah, I do. I do. It's something that you can always go and turn to, and it will instantly change your mood, either for the better or for the worse, right? You'll either hear a song you don't like, or you'll hear a song that you love, maybe, you know? But you you bring back a memory, bring back a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It will be really interesting to see in 20 years, though. Like, you guys are making me think how all these things like podcasts and audiobooks and ra- like actual radio and eventually everything's going to have to merge in some way or another. There, there's just way too and much content out there there's, these days. There's so much content. Way too much content. Yeah. And, and I'm really curious to see kind of how we're going to take it, like yeah. how we're going to tackle that information overload. Well, the good content still always comes to the top, you know, and That's bad true. content still just, it's <laughs> nobody wants to listen to yeah, it. So it's bad not. content. You That's know? true. 
Yeah, that's, huh. My, my brain just went in a whole different, that was very interesting. So where do you see yourself like in five years, man? Like, where do you, do you want to keep doing a radio? Do you love this? I mean, what do you, I don't know. This is one thing I was wondering if I should tell people because it's something that happened the other day. And this is actually something that maybe this is my big reveal on the podcast, Chris. I, on um, December, and man, I feel like I might get emotional. On December 14th, um, I went and asked my Zen teacher if I could start sewing my robes to to um, be a Zen monk. Mm. He told me yes. So I'm going to do that process this year. I'm going to go through that. And then um, I really want to be able to help like other people who suffer from PTSD and trauma and things like that. I really, um, like with meditation and stuff or, or what yeah, any way that I can. Yeah. Cause I really know, I really have to say, I would, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a lot of other people. And I'm, I feel very grateful and I also feel a responsibility to give back. So that's what I see my future. I don't know where it's going to go, but I know it's going to go in that direction. Yeah, I don't. I don't even I, know what kind of things that I that would open that. up, but that's that's beautiful. Oh, I man. know, but I that's, mean, that's beautiful. Yeah, what, well, what a transition, and you're going to kill it because you basically just are amazing at everything you do. It sounds like. Well, it just. Well, thank you. That's really nice. But um, it, there's just um, I'm still going to be doing radio. I'm still going to be Brad. You know what I mean? I'm still going to be. I'm not going to be standing out there on state street with an alms bowl like yeah but are you going to be bad brad how about not so bad uh, brad? i might be glad brad i don't know yet <laughs> but um but i do know that um that the yeah the, this part of my life is i really there's something uh that's um you know i feel like i've always been kind of spiritual even like sitting in class with father herlich but there's something about this part of my life that i really want to work on that and do what I can to help others. And I, you know, I think a lot of it, let's be honest, is um, it's a manifestation of my relationship with Joe, you know, and the things that we went through together. And um, just like learning what it is to be a spiritual person and be a person. Joe was a, Joe was a pretty tough guy. You know, yeah. Joe was a bad man too, but Joe was also a, a spiritual being, you know, and a highly influential person on me. So cool. Yeah. Dude, you got such an amazing story. You I feel got, very blessed. Yeah. There's so much, I, I have so much to be thankful for. I really, I think about that too. Sometimes like I have lived uh, an, um, an incredible life. Dude, you, you know? made it through 2020, right? <laughs> through 2020. I made it through two car wrecks in one, yeah, yeah. In two days in well, 2016. This has been a hell of a year, though. You know what I mean? Like, this mm. is really big. I mean, so it looks like you got some stuff to look forward to in 2021. Yeah, but I do feel like um, some of the stuff I've been through has, like, prepared me for what I'm going through or what a lot of other people are going through. Right. Like, I'm able to, I feel like. I'm able to notice a lot of other people in trauma mode that they don't realize they're experiencing trauma for the first time in their life. That's really cool. Cause a lot of people are having trauma for the first time this year. I think Yeah, like there's going to be so or many realizing more. they need to deal realize, with it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, not like, just pushing it in the back. It's getting exposed to them. And what, their minds and what do you think? 2021 is I mean, we're going to have to process some stuff. This thing isn't over, you know, by any means. And there's a lot to process. There's a lot of people who've lost relatives this year. I mean, there was one week uh, where I lost four or five people that I know. And it's just, 
some of my friends have lost their parents and not been able to go to funerals. You know what I mean? And that's a, that's a heavy load for somebody to go through. That's a lot to process. That's a lot. Well, hopefully, hopefully things kind of end sooner than later. I I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever really end. I think we're all going to, it's going to fight it, but you're right. Yeah. That's New the world. Zen thing. Like, the norm. How can people yeah. get involved with the Zen stuff with you? Like um, the meditation The Zen stuff. center I Zen go center. to is Two Arrows Zen. I study under Mugaku Roshi, Michael Zimmerman. He's a really interesting guy. He used to be the former chief justice of the Utah Supreme Court. He might be, I don't know if he'd ever come and do this because he's so humble. Oh, like, man, I don't he'd know if he'd really, to talk but to, though. yeah, it sounds like he'd be a great guy. I would love amazing to hear his transition guy story. to talk to. He and his wife, uh, Musho, Diane Hamilton, both amazing people. They're both teachers. But yeah, two arrows Zen. We've been teaching a beginning Zen class on Thursday nights online. That's been a lot of fun. And uh, I, we sit in the morning for people who are members of the Zen Center online every morning at seven o'clock. And then we have like retreats and shishins, which is, you know, long sit for a week and stuff like that. I don't know if Rodrigo talked to you about yeah, stuff he, like he that. Yeah, he, he probably he did. He probably did. Yeah. I'll we, put, we just didn't really... I was going to say, I'll put the link for that if people want to check it out uh, on this uh, episode uh, at yeah. IamSaltLake.com. What, what would a beginner do if if someone wanted to just like reach out and try a first thing, like a first, can they kind of like try a session? Well, no, you don't want to go. A ses- or is that like not how this works? A, ses- a session is like uh, where you meditate like eight hours a day for like five days. Have oh, you done wow. that? Yeah. No kidding. It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Do you have to like stay in the same sitting position the whole time? Uh, you get up and move every 35 minutes. You'll sit for 35. You'll walk for 10. You'll sit for 35. You'll walk for 10. You'll have a Dharma talk for an hour. Then you'll go literally chop wood, carry water, work on the Zendo, come back, sit, walk, sit, walk, wow. Dharma talk. How long did you do that for? I, I did that for a week. Yeah. For like eight hours a day. Like it, it's, it's probably really cleansing though for the, for your mind though. Right. No, very cleansing. Yeah. Makes you very present. Makes you realize how much stuff is going on that you don't pay attention to in a given day. You know, just the little, just the little things, you know, it's a, there's so much going on that we don't, don't even see. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, we got, we got a few Salt Lake City related questions that we ask everybody. I, will, so, I could so, just sit here and talk to you guys. We, we, I love you. We, we so go no, ahead. I know. This is, like, I could just I love listen. It. I, love it. I knew this was going to happen hours. like yeah. this. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why I was getting nervous coming in here. But <laughs> you were nervous I knew this to was going to happen. Here? You were nervous to come well, on the podcast? Like I said, like I, and I, maybe I'm just being aware. Like it's a, uh, there's a control thing maybe for me. Like it's different to be the one being asked the questions instead of asking the questions. Cause you know, you can edit your side. I don't Is know that- if it's edit, but like sometimes do you hear a voice in your head when you're doing an interview with someone like you, do you know where you're going to go or you want to go? Or sometimes yes, you come up to something and you're like, wait a minute, let's stop there for a minute and dig that for, you know, well, you're, like, the, you're the one scripting the conversation. I'm just in the, yeah. Well, you, you're kind of like, not intentionally, but it just happens, right? Yeah. Like when you're, when you're the host, you're guiding the conversation. And I'm just in the driver's seat going, okay, any, anything, anything I'm open for any conversation. So what's mm-hmm. the, what's the Brad Wheeler, the bad Brad Wheeler tour. If your family, friends, somebody comes to town, like, like say they're coming to visit Salt Lake city. They're coming to visit you for a weekend. Right. And they've never been here. They're like, show me around. I don't know if there's like one or two places you like to show off and take. Oh, there's so many places I love. 
Yeah, I mean, I love one. I love going to Caputo's. Like that place is amazing. Yeah, that cheese cave blew my mind when I moved to Salt Lake. That they, they just put that in, and the chocolate that's amazing too, right? And I often see celebrities that come in and are, are buying stuff out of there. Also, we have some of those great restaurants on State Street. I've seen uh, Martha Stewart buying pies out of Eva's Bakery. No kidding. Yeah, yeah totally. That's and, awesome. Uh, you know, Copper Common, Copper Onion, those two places. I mean, the. I, both like the place I ate before I went into the hospital and the place I ate when I came out of the hospital and went back and forth. Yeah. I love those guys. I I love them. Like I was talking earlier about 25th street. There's something that place is amazing to me. I love going to Tona sushi. I have a role named after me there, the Brad roll, which I'm very, very proud of up there. No kidding. Yeah. Going to the Kokomo. I don't know how much longer the Kokomo is going to be the Kokomo. I heard Eddie Simone probably might have just sold it, which is a really big thing for the history of Ogden. Like that bar has been there. Jack Kerouac wrote about that bar in Visions of Cody. No kidding. Yeah. Like Eddie got that bar when he graduated from high school from St. Joe's. His mom, his dad, his sister, they all had bars. His mom's bar was Sue's Lounge. I can't remember what bar sister's bar was but or how the hell they got bars right out of high school right i was Ogden. actually wondering that i'm like but wait. that's that's the, that's the they're the simonis they can't even walk in one but they're they the italian american family in ogden like that's the thing hey i won't ask questions i'm down yeah yeah you can ask people in ogden you can just say is are those stories brad's telling me about eddie simone real and people are gonna like let me tell you some eddie simone stories yeah what would you change about Salt Lake City if you could change something? Like, let's say you had the power to change something, whether that's something big, I'm small. I'm really glad you asked this question because a couple of years ago, the city sent me to Austin, Texas to be a part of this um, nightlife thing where they were talking about the 9 to 5 p.m. really fi- fuels the 9 to 5 a.m. You know, in the nighttime economy fuels the daytime economy. Of course, yeah. And the problem... I realized from talking with the people in Austin is that we don't have a district. We need a district. We have a small thing happening over there with um, the complex and um, the depot and the metro, you know. But, you know, you're in Austin, Texas. That thing it's like that just goes for spreads a lot bigger miles yeah. and miles and miles. You know what I mean? But that, that's the thing. Like when we were talking with the organizers who did do the South by Southwest, I asked them, I'm like, I know you guys used to, cause I'm old. I'm like, I know you guys used to do the North by Northwest. <laughs> like, why don't you do that anymore? You know? And they're like, you know why? Because it was too hard to drive everybody around up there in Portland because the venues were too spread out. Like when you have things that are where people can walk, then you're developing a cultural district. That's what we need. We need several cultural districts. We also need another thing that blew my mind they had in Austin, Texas was housing for musicians. The musicians looked at me and said, so do you live in musician housing? I'm all, what the hell is musician housing? They're like, we have affordable housing for musicians. We pair them up with uh, veterans actually. And this is in Austin. In Austin, Texas. It's created this incredible, um, yeah, cohabitation where they're taking care of each other. And it's, yeah, it's just like great. Dude, I love that. That is so cool. I've never, that's another thing that we, we need. Yeah. We need, we need to have entertainment districts and then we need to be able to have ways to sustain and support 
artists. You we know? need affordable housing just in general, man. Yeah. We need affordable housing and we probably should be making more grants and funding available. I mean, the more that we invest in arts and culture, the more people want to come here. Matter of fact, that was the one thing that blew my mind when we went to that thing. One of the people we were with, we're talking with the people who put on ACL, South by Southwest. And they're like, well, you know, we used to have this thing in the park, you know, this Twilight concert series. It was really cool. Like, you know, 20,000 people come down to the park and watch these shows, you know, and, and, you know, we lost it. And it seems like we just need to figure out a way to get that back. And I just looked at that guy and I said, you're not understanding what these people are telling you. Like, it isn't South by Southwest that people come to Austin, Texas for. It's, it's the, the whole thing that's happening they come for all Austin. year round. Yeah. yeah. Austin is performing 365 days a year, all, all hours of the day. And, and, and it doesn't matter what part of the world you're from. You can come and enjoy that at any time, you know? And that's why Austin is like one of the largest growing cities in America because they've invested in that. And we do have amazing cultural artists here. Like we have, we really do. We, we really just need do. to really give them more more control of their own destiny. We need to give them more control of their own destiny, and we need to put them in situations where they're interacting with other uh, musicians of their caliber. You know, something changed with me. I, I'm still the same musician, but the way I relate to other musicians has changed because of the, my relationship with Mickey, if that makes sense. And it's just on a um, just on a validation level do you know what I, do you know what i mean it does yeah. feel like people in utah are always feeling like they need to prove can well, you really play the blues in utah can Utah's, you really, can yeah. you know what i mean yeah exactly it is kind of is you, the weed you don't really strong in utah is the booze really good in you you know like is it really good in utah are the women hot yeah <laughs> do you really have five wives yeah Maybe. but i think the more that we put our artists in situations where they're exposed to people outside of here or, or even opening up for other artists that come through here. Yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna benefit our whole community. And we should create some more opportunities for musicians to be teaching in the school. Like, that was the one thing for me. Like, doing the Blues of Schools program was super rewarding. It was very powerful. Yeah. Man, if our public schools could really figure out a way to incorporate something like that, I think it would really benefit everybody. That'd be really cool. Arts is, it's huge. Arts is so important. It's, it's a very neglected thing that is so important. And the way you described it really, really proves it that it's, you know, we need to keep pushing everybody to do their best. I'm in mom mode no, now. You're great. I'm all you're excited. Great. I, just, I just know that uh, any minute there might be a kid Children. knocking on the door <laughs> yes. here. So, so uh, just cause they're like, they're like, Oh, about, about that hour mark. They like to come and bother us. That's you know all right. what I mean? So are they going to try and sell us some slime or they yeah, gonna- <laughs> maybe, maybe some slime, but no, I mean, well, before, they might. you before can't leave until we, you buy some before we wrap this up, Brad, first of all, I'm so stoked that you came on the podcast, man. And I, I love and I, you. And dude, I love you too, man. And I know that like we we didn't even touch barely anything with you. And you yeah. got you got so much. I mean, so much we could dive into. But is there anything that you were hoping we would talk about? Like that you were really like that you want to why the mics are hot, man? Why the no, mics I think the only thing I was really debating about whether or not I wanted to tell everybody about this, you know, going through this process with Zen, because it's a big thing for me. Yeah. And um and it's a kind of a personal thing for me. And I've told some of my good friends, but, and I've been trying to figure out a way to 
come out with my Zen. How can <laughs> you know what I mean? But how can we support you with that, man? Yeah. How can um, the city just, of Salt Lake just, City? How can we support it's, you? It's um, uh, well, you know, whatever you want to do to support the Zen. If you believe that it's important that Salt Lake City have a Zen center, and, and you believe that, then please make a pledge to Two Arrows Zen. Other than that, it's more what I can do to support you. I mean, that's really what it's about for me. It's like. I'm just going to try and help create a place where people who want to know about Zen meditation can come. And, uh, and I believe the benefits of Zen create a better world. So that's, that's me doing for you. Not really you doing for me. And listeners, how can they listen to uh, you on the radio, man? Man, KUAA 99.9 FM on there right now, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from five to seven. We have a variety of programs. My good buddy Burke does Monday from five to seven. He's been helping me during COVID. Chase one two and uh, James Beard to the long walk home on Tuesday nights from seven to ten. I'm not just saying this. Like we really have some mate. I feel like we have the best DJs. Those guys do such an amazing show. And then uh, Heather Geither is on seven to ten Wednesday nights. All of them are doing unique things that I've never really heard other DJs do. They're none of them are like playing genre specific shows. Like they're you can switch genres, and and some of them are weaving in poetry and stuff like Heather. Then John and Justin on Thursday nights with the Second Wind. That is that's like meditation on your airwaves. I literally feel my blood pressure drop just hearing those two talk to each other. I don't know how they talk to each other, but it's just so good. <laughs> the radio voice. Annika, uh, the, the 710 stack on Friday. Incredible. The sound department from 10 to 1 on Friday. And then El Diablito. Have you heard the Radio Inferno on Saturday nights from 7 to 10? I don't think so. Man, either. I thought I knew a lot about Mexican music. Matter of fact, when I was younger, I used to think I was Mexican when I moved here. Because <laughs> <laughs> all the other kids that would get signed out for seminary would be me and the Mexicans left behind. He plays the most amazing Mexican music that some of it, I had no idea there was that kind of Mexican music. Like it's really, every time I listen, I'm like, I had no idea. It's literally, it's that. And then I got to say, uh, Dave Prashan, who is doing so much to help the radio station, in the mornings from 7 to 10 a.m., Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I'm very grateful to have Dave. Dave and I, Dave was also at Carousel for a while. And um, just, uh, he's been, we also went through the transition together at the radio station and did some of the training. So we have um, a lot of shared experience and a lot of shared knowledge that I'm very grateful that we're, we're both able to share. Chrissy has a final question. Go She's ahead. Gonna ask All you an, right. And, and I know I didn't tell you, give you a heads up on this, Brad. So sorry. For, <laughs> and, no know. pressure or anything. But if you could leave our listeners with a motto or a piece of life advice, what would you tell them? Her saying that is making me think about all the great things that you post, which are so good. And they, they make me think of so many of the things that Joe said. And the one I'm thinking about, was that you? Or was it, maybe it was a mirror today, but... um. I was thinking about the thing that Joe said. What other people think about you is their own damn business. You know who you are. I think you, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, reading that today again somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that. one that Joe would tell me. What other people think about you is their own damn business, you know? That's true. You know who you are. Like, And it, it really, yeah, there's so much in that too, right? Like, it's not just like if someone's gossiping about you, but... Really, if you're like, if you're doing something thinking, oh, I hope they think I'm cool. Like, 
what? Why are you even doing it? Why then? does that matter? <laughs> that doesn't matter. Layer, Do you know what I mean? It's a layered sentence. It's for a sure. layered sentence. Joe, I realize in a lot of ways was a Buddhist and he was speaking in koans all the time. The first one that he ever said to me was nothing ruins a duck worse than its bill. And it took me a long time to wrap my mind around that one. I was like, meaning eating the bill, the duck bill. Like wait, think about it. Nothing ruins what? a duck worse than its bill. Paying for it. No. Oh man. Well, the duck's <laughs> snout is a bill. It's a bill, right? It's a bill, right? And I don't, then don't feel bad okay, because when he first said it to me, I just, I just nodded my head and was like, yeah, <laughs> went home and was like, what the hell did he tell me? <laughs> and I thought about it for three months. And then I finally went back to him and said, what the hell does that mean, Joe? And he said, well, think about it, Brad. He's like a duck is a pretty bird. I'm like, a duck is a pretty bird until it starts quacking. And then it's all whack, 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 whack. <laughs> And I was just like, <laughs> wow, he's like, nothing ruins a duck worse than its bill. And, um, yeah, there's that. Like sometimes you see that at the blues jam. Sometimes people come in and they're like, oh, I'm so good. I can put people that want to talk a lot. Yeah. They're usually, it's like what, like what I'm always saying with me and Chris talk about this all the time, but it's so much easier to uh, stand outside of the ring than to get inside and actually box. You know, it's, it's so easy to judge people and assume that you can do things and put people down who are actually trying, but yeah, like, yeah, support each other. They'll support you. We can all do awesome. Yeah. I hear so many of those things that Joe would say in my head all the time. Just, they, they just out of nowhere, they just come, you know? Thank you again to Bad Brad Wheeler for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All of the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode's show notes on our podcast website, IamSaltLake.com, and for this episode, IamSaltLake.com forward slash 465. So are you making any New Year's resolutions this year, Chrissy? You know- Or changes, I guess. Resolutions is such a- Resolutions is so harsh, It's a silly word. It is, it is. And I've actually learned from you uh, since we met- I watch you start your resolutions about six months before New Year's and you start working towards it, but you don't say anything. And then on New Year's, you're like, I'm going to do this amazing thing. But I'm like, I know you're already doing it. You know, you know, it's 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 really cool. So you've kind of almost inspired me to start doing that. And I feel like I'm just on the right track to be the person I want to be more in 2021. I love it. So yeah, I don't really have resolutions. I just want to keep improving on what I've been trying to improve on. I love it. And you're, I mean, you've really made a lot of good changes on yourself. I'm oh, very, you. I mean, well, one of the, one of the resolutions or changes, one of the big things I'm trying to implement more, and I know I've talked about this online. If anybody's following me on Facebook and Chrissy already knows this, but I want to talk a little bit more about it is daily journaling because I love it because the biggest thing that I, mm, isn't it frustrating that we can't look over, like, I wish I had a journal to look over 2020 and be like, as much as I hated this year, I want to look you at wanna it again. You want to remember I want to be like, like I want to yeah. be like, okay, oh, wow, that happened, this happened. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I have journals when I was a baby, right? My mom started a journal for me one time when I was like two. I know, which right? is so cute because who has that kind of time? And Your mom so, is a saint. I figured this is going to be the year that I'm going to be just a journal nut and I'm, I'm loving it so far. I'm, I'm, I'm on track. You know, I, I think it helps you. You seem more calm, like you can get your thoughts out and then you you're kind of more calm during the day because of it, too. I know that that I we were talking about that, how I was saying I needed to just get it out. And we talked about the power of journaling off yeah. air. I've noticed uh, that you seem like very peaceful now that you've started journaling. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's cool. I approve. Well, thank you. (laughs) So it's time to give some love to our supporters. Uh, These guys are doing a great job, you know, keeping the podcast going. They're our frontline supporters, our Patreon supporters. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, really easy to do. Just go to patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake. If you have found any value in this podcast, consider, I mean, becoming a supporter for as little as a dollar. It helps keep the lights on, helps pay our bills, helps uh, pay for any equipment we might need. So I'm going to read this list of uh, Patreon supporters. We got some amazing supporters, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the list. I'm gonna read them. I'm gonna thank them. I'm probably gonna butcher their names, but I still like hearing their names, even if it's butchered, <laughs> because it makes my heart so happy. Yeah. So we got Jen Seals. She's actually probably our newest Patreon supporter. So thank you, Jen. And then we got Mark Copeland. I know he's been listening to uh, the podcast for a while. So thank you, Mark. Nick Naylor, Brett Schmidt, Todd Bjorkland. Tim Haran, Michelle Stevens-Williams, Christopher Heiser, Brandon Hill, Jay Chambers, Sana, John Miller, Eric Tomorrow. I know most of you guys listen to mediocre shows, so shout out to Eric Tomorrow. Thanks for being a supporter. Uh, Nicole Davison, she's been a longtime supporter. And friend. And friend, I, These yeah. are all my yeah. friends. I love Three you guys. Three Irons SLC. And Nikki Lyon over in New Zealand. And then, of course, the mighty uh, Ryan Prince. Gotta love that guy. He's been a supporter for a while. Oh, so. man. One of these days when we can be around people again, like in big groups, we should we should all go out for a beer. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we have some great supporters. And that's one thing I want to focus uh, more on in 2021 is giving back to our supporters. I love um, I haven't really thought everything through yet, but, but if, you know, if you guys have any ideas. Maybe, maybe that can be our, oh, dare I say, podcast resolution. Our podcast resolution. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try, you guys. We'll try. We promise. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, don't forget, you can always visit our website at IamSaltLake.com to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. And if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the show, go ahead and share it with them. All right, you guys, have a great week. Make sure to get out and enjoy the city. It's going to be beautiful this week. Support local, support a local restaurant or something. And we're going to see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. And good night, Grammy. <laughs> <laughs>